Good morning, everyone. We are so glad you're here with us, whether you're watching online with us or you are here in person. This is gonna be such a special Sunday as we're together. My name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at Central. I have the privilege of overseeing our next-gen ministries. So we are able to minister to children, all the way up to young adults. And this is our intergenerational Sunday experience. This is our family Sunday. And that means that we're all together as one big happy family, worshiping Jesus, reading the word together and staying connected. And we are just excited about all of us being in here together this morning. If you are a uh, central kid or you are a student, we have made a really cool activity sheet for you to follow along with the message this morning. And here's the coolest part. If you fill it out, central kids, we are gonna give you a really cool one of a kind Fourth of July glow-in-the-dark bracelet at the end of the service right by the gathering ground. So make sure you're following along if you're a little kid or a big kid like me. It would be a great way of staying connected with the message this morning. Man, it is a great morning to be here together. It's exciting to see what God is doing all through this church and the churches that we have the privilege of ministering to and working with. This church is offensive to hell because of what God is doing in and through your lives as Pastor Craig just said, seeing 46 people respond in baptism last weekend, 17 Muslims giving their life to Jesus last weekend alone. I mean, how much can we celebrate this morning knowing what God is doing? It's amazing. It is amazing. This is 4th of July weekend, and I just absolutely love 4th of July weekend. Whenever I think about 4th of July weekend, I basically think about three things. Three things. The first thing is freedom. I grew up in a military home. My dad served for 21 years in the military. And I, and I just think about 4th of July weekend of uh, 1776, our country forged its freedom based on the people who were brave enough to put their foot down and say, we want to be a united nation. We want to be a nation under God. We want to be United States of America. And so when I think about 4th of July weekend, I think of freedom. And what I would like to do just very briefly, if you are here this morning and you have served in the armed services or you are currently serving the armed services, if you can just stand so we can just say thank you if you're here this morning. Thank you so much for, your, for being bright. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a blessing it is to be able to worship with people who are serving our country, have served our country. We're, we're grateful for your service. So I think about freedom. I also think about fireworks. How many of you here this morning, Central Kids, students, or big kids like me, went and set off fireworks sometime this weekend, or you're gonna be watching fireworks this weekend, or tomorrow's gonna be the day where 4th of July, you're gonna be able to set fireworks. Okay, awesome. So many of us are gonna be celebrating with fireworks. Cool. Last thing I think about, Third piece of 4th of July weekend is, of course, food. And you can see very quickly that I am not Pastor Brad or Pastor Craig. I'd like to eat. And so 4th of July weekend reminds me of food. And I don't really care what kind of 4th of July food. It could be burgers. It could be hot dogs. Heard Miss Vibka. She's going to be making ribs. So maybe going to their house. I mean, I love 4th of July food. Food is just my thing. You know what? Desserts are also my thing. Anything that says USA in red, white, and blue, Food, okay, so 4th of July weekend, I think of freedom, I think of fireworks, and I think of food. So I need you to look at the person next to you and say, I think I hear your stomach growling. I think I hear your stomach growling. So this morning, I wanna just take a, a, a few moments and navigate through 
something that I believe is very important for us to talk about this morning. I believe this one thing we're going to talk about this morning doesn't just affect our students or our children, but affects everyone. Whether you're one year old, all up to 100 years old, this message is applicable to all of us. This morning, I want to talk about a very small piece of life that no, not too many people will pay much attention to. This, this slice of life has the ability to overpower your prayer, your worship, even your commitment to God. This one little thing we're going to be talking about this morning has caused more people to fall and to fumble and to lose a lot. This one little thing this morning we're gonna talk about has the ability to really cause a lot of heartache, not just in your life, but in other people's lives as well. And that one thing we're talking about this morning is our appetites, appetites. The definition of an appetite is a strong desire to satisfy a need, a strong desire to satisfy a need. And obviously, when you think about appetites, the first thing that comes to all of our minds, at least me specifically, is food. But I've been doing some research and looking into some of the things that we as human beings need, and I thought I would just kind of read a list off to you. We have appetites for or a need for respect. We have an appetite for love, for recognition. We have an appetite for fame. We have an appetite to to be envied, to have the good position. We have appetites, needs for for control. And here's the thing. This morning, I want to make this like a disclaimer. This morning, I want us to make sure that we know that God created appetites. God created these appetites, but then Satan kind of distorted them. So this morning, as we navigate through, these appetites, God created for our good. God created these things to be a blessing to us, that we could honor him with these things, and then we could also just have a great life. So these appetites this morning, God created, but Satan distorted. But watch this. This morning, just on the sake of time, and for me, being very A-D-D-D-D-D-D, I believe you can clump all of these appetites into three categories. I believe you can clump all of these appetites into three categories. An appetite or a need for power. An appetite need for power, a need, an appetite or a need for pleasure, to enjoy life, to just enjoy life, an appetite and need for possessions. I believe this morning we can take all the appetites that we have in the room and we can put them together into three, power, pleasure, and possessions. In a few minutes, we're going to look in scripture and we're going to see again how God created these appetites for our good and for his glory, but then Satan distorted them. So if you need a Bible this morning, our ushers are coming forward. Just kind of raise your hand and you can follow along with us in scripture this morning. And again, I just encourage you to, to, to read along with us and stay engaged and focused in the message this morning, Central Kids, and it will be a great time together. Genesis chapter one is where we're starting in the very beginning. I think that's a very fitting place to start this morning. Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one. And again, we are gonna be reading this morning, how God created appetites, God created appetites for our good and his glory, but then Satan distorted them. So if you're following along with me, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay, good, we're, we're together this morning. So Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 26, let's read this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may have rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
Church family, you can see in this one verse that God gave us dominion. He gave us power to be good stewards of the things that he has created for us and for his glory. That's the the verse, ready? Let's look at the next one together. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Take a break there. We see that in this passage that God created pleasure for us, that God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy the pleasures that's found between a male and a female in the right confines of marriage. God created pleasure in us to enjoy this life that he's blessed us with. And lastly, in verse 29, then God said, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. God says in this verse, I've given you so much stuff that you can use to enjoy. God gives us possessions that we can be good stewards of and enjoy the life that God's given us. So again, God created appetites. And then now we're gonna turn and look at chapter three, a couple pages forward. We're gonna see how God created these appetites, but then Satan distorted them. God created, Satan distorted. Look with me at Genesis chapter three, verses two through six. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Of course, then Satan stands and says, You will not certainly die, the certain said to the women, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will have full control. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it as well. I find this passage interesting because Satan knew exactly how to tempt Adam and Eve. He knew exactly what strategy to use so that Adam and Eve would see the need to gain control for themselves. Adam and Eve were tricked by the devil based on his strategy of deception in trying to help Adam and Eve understand that they can have control, that they can be like God. And when I read this passage, I see the same thing is true today, that Satan is at work trying to tempt us and use the appetites that God created for our good to trick us in order to use them to glorify ourselves you know, I, I think, I think the, the big question is, well, why, why did Adam and Eve decide to eat the fruit? I mean, everything was perfect. They were in the Garden of Eden. Everything was good. They were able to have everything they wanted. They were able to have the power to be able to enjoy life and pleasure. And they were able to do it. Why did Adam and Eve eat the fruit? It's because they wanted control. 
They believed that God was jipping them from their full blessing. They wanted to be like God and see more than just what's right in front of them. They wanted control. And church family, that is very same in our situation here. That God created these appetites so that we can enjoy life, that we could be blessed by a wonderful life. And Satan just kind of twists these things in order for him to get a foothold in our lives. Adam and Eve traded what they needed most for what they wanted now. Adam and Eve traded what they needed most for what they wanted now. Beware of the temptation of what you need most for what you want now. Beware of the temptation of what you need most in your life, God's blessings for you, a healthy life, a prosperous life. Don't trade those things based on your want of right now. Our sinful appetites want us to sacrifice our future blessing for our immediate wants. Watch this. Our human appetites want us to sacrifice our future blessings, the life that God has called us to live for an immediate want. Satan wants to attack us where it hurts the most because our appetites will always whisper now and never later. You know, I want us to journey to another passage of scripture this morning to help us unpack this truth even more that God created appetites for us, for his glory, and for, for us to enjoy. And then Satan kind of distorted that. In this passage of scripture, you know, it always, it always kind of just baffles me. I see the carelessness of these two brothers. And you know, when I, when I read about Jacob and Esau, which took place about 4,000 years ago, I always thought these people were like my age, you know, like late 20s, early 30s. But when I've done research, they were in their 60s when this situation, when this conflict took place the carelessness of two brothers. So if you have your Bibles, again, join with me in Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 through 34. You know, I almost entitled this message, come on, man, come on, man. And just wait, I mean, some of you might have not have read this passage yet, but this is one of the most careless passages that I've read in a long time. So join with me in Genesis chapter 5, Starting in verse 29, once when, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that stew. I'm starving, I'm famished. Jacob replied, this escalates pretty quickly by the way, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Okay, I mean, older brother comes in hungry, Younger brothers trying to trick him and say, sell me your birthright. So family, this is just a, a, a fun free fact for this morning. A birthright is given to the oldest brother in the family. And when the father passes away, when he dies, the oldest brother gets double the, import, the portion of the inheritance. Okay, so just so we're on the same page, Esau was saying, I'll give you the double portion of my inheritance when my dad dies for a bowl of beans. A birthright for beans. So verse 32 says this, look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Look at verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew 
He ate, drank, then he got up and left. Esau despised his birthright. It doesn't even say that he enjoyed it. He ate, he drank, he got up and left. He ate, he drank, he got up and he left. He didn't even say that he enjoyed it. I wish that I could teleport myself back 4,000 years and get in the middle of these two guys where they were having this conflict and just say, hold up, time out. Jacob, you know better. You know your brother is at a low place and you know that he's gonna be susceptible to receiving that bowl for a birthright. Jacob, I know why you're doing that. You're doing it because you want control of your own future and your own finances. I get it. Esau, Esau, focus Esau. Do you understand this is the worst trade of all time? I mean, it's like you're taking beans, beans for your birthright. Beans for your birthright. This isn't even gonna hold you over for the whole day, Esau. But you know that we can't teleport ourselves back in time. We can't change our pasts. We can learn in the present. Can you look at the person next to you and just say, bad trade? Just look at the person next to you and say, that's a bad trade, bad trade, bad trade. It's like trading, it's like trading fingernail clippers for a Ferrari. It's like, it's like trading a hat for an entire hotel. It's like trading a scoop of ice cream for an entire ice cream store. This is a bad trade. It was a bad trade. So why did Jacob do it? Why did Jacob decide to pass that bull over the person next to him? It's because he wanted control. He wanted control of his future and his finances. He wanted control of the situation. And he knew that he could get what he wanted based on his older brother's condition. Why did, why did Esau, why did Esau decide to receive the bull and pass on his birthright? Why did he trade a bull for a birthright? It's because of the careless state that he was in. He was at a place where he came home empty-handed. He was good at hunting, but he wasn't good at controlling his appetite. Beware of the bull. I wish that I could just take away one piece this morning and just say, beware of the bull. We all have a bull in our life. We all have something that's holding us back from our God-sized potential. We all have something in our lives that we are trying to navigate through in order for us to understand God more fully. Beware of the bull. When your life feels empty, we're gonna run to the bull. We're gonna run to the bull. And what happens to Esau happens to us. It can happen to us. So here's the question. What is your bowl this morning? What is that thing, what is that appetite, that sinful appetite that's holding you back from your God-sized potential? What is that thing that you know is robbing you of your joy, that's hurting your, your future? What is that bull? What is that bull? The decisions we make determine the direction we're gonna take. That's true every time. The decisions you make, church family, Decisions you make determine the direction you're gonna take. We make the same decisions today because we worry and we want control. Young, young families in the room, this is, this is key, central kids. The two things that 
older people worry about more than anything else. People that are, are kind of getting through high school and in college, young adults, and, and older people, we worry about two things more than anything else. We worry about our futures and we worry about our finances. We worry about our futures and our finances. Satan knows exactly how to cause us to stumble just on those two things alone. We worry about those things. And you know what the amazing thing is? God created and gave us a future that's found in his son, Jesus. And God's also given us all of our finances. They're all his anyways. They're all his anyways. Beware of the temptation of what you need most for what you want now. I'm gonna say that one more time. Beware of the temptation in our lives. Beware of that temptation of what you need most for what you want now. In other words, beware of the appetite in your life that will cause you to trade your ultimate blessing and the life that God's given to you for your future, for your, for your present want. You know, I, I think about a careless story in my own personal life. This took place about six years ago in Pensacola, Florida. Um, I was engaged at the time to Jessica, who I'm now married to. And um, Fourth of July weekend was always a really big thing in Pensacola, Florida. I was a college pastor at the time. We had tons of international students. And a couple of our international students were from India. And they knew that I had a passion for good Indian food. And so these two Indian guys would come over to my house quite frequently and teach me the art of making Indian food. I know that we don't have a whole lot of time to go into a, a culinary cooking class situation, but let me just tell you quickly how to make the best type of curry Indian food. You get a pot, you make it really hot, really, really hot, and then you take oil and you pour the oil in and you toss in chopped onions, you add a little water, and you let it simmer for a while. And of course, add in some spices. And so I watched these guys do it, and they would always say, Pastor Travis... This is a dangerous thing to make if you've never made it before. Okay, okay. Well, just make me some Indian food. So fast forward, 4th of July weekend, six years ago, I was a college pastor. We had a great cookout that was planned for the 4th of July weekend. But you know what? I was hungry. My appetite told me that I wanted Indian food. I didn't want to wait till later. I wanted it now. And so what did a normal person do? I got out my bowl. I turned that thing on full heat, and I started chopping up the onions. And I'm looking over at the Indian, at the, at the bowl, knowing this is going to make some delicious Indian food on the stove. And I've got my onions, and I'm very slowly walking, just giving it enough time. Because I listened to my Indian friends. They said, it's got to be really hot. And so, of course, I walk over to the bowl. I pour in the, the oil. And when I do so, it turns into a ball of flames. And it catches on my microwave, on my fake wooden countertops in my, in my stove. And so in panic mode, I grab the bowl and I chuck it behind me in the sink and turn the water on, grab the dish towel and start smacking the fire out. I mean, it's, it's like smoking in my house. I'm in serious panic mode and I'm freaking out. So I'm smacking the fire. I turn around, central kids, note to self, water and oil don't mix well. So I turn around, what's on fire? Oh, the other side of my kitchen. So I'm putting the fire out, smacking it. And literally, I mean, the fire alarms are going off. There is a black smoke in my house. And, and I just, I kind of forgot because I didn't put it in my calendar because I was, you know, I was kind of young at the time. I forgot that my fiance, who's now my wife, she actually was going to come over before the 4th of July party and we were just going to hang out together. And so I hear a knock on the door. I'm in full panic mode. I finally got the fire out. The fire alarms are still screaming. I open the door and of course she's looking at me saying, what in the world happened here? And so 
I, 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 uh, I, I think back on that story and I laugh every single time. When it was taking place, not so funny. I could have not only just burned down my place, but I could have burned down the entire apartment complex as well based on my carelessness and my appetite for what I wanted right away instead of just waiting a few hours for the barbecue. And you know, I, I think back on that story and I apply it to my present that how many of us are willing, how many of us actually are doing this, we're burning down our marriages for an appetite for pleasure. We are willing to lose and burn down our relationships for an appetite for power. Willing to lose and burn down our bank accounts for an appetite for possessions stuff. We are willing to lose and burn down what we need most for what we want now. Beware of the unsatisfied appetites in our lives. If Esau would have known the terrible mistake that he was about to do, would he have still done it? If we knew that the appetite that right now is owning us could destroy relationships, marriages, bank accounts, our lives, if we knew those appetites could truly do that, would we still give in to them today? Beware of the unsatisfied appetites. You know, we are willing to give up our legacy, our impact, all for a bowl. And again, the question is, what is that bowl? What is that one thing that's owning us? Knowing, this is important, church family, knowing that God created appetites for our good, for our pleasure, to glorify him, but then Satan just tries to attack us. What is he attacking at you most right now? What is that thing right now in your relationships? What is that bowl? What is that bowl? You know, it's amazing. It's amazing, and I think that's the reason why we're all here this morning. We serve a God who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth on a rescue mission to seek and to save lost people. That's the God we serve, and this is the amazing part. Jesus was tempted with power, possessions, and pleasure in the desert when he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. Do you remember this, this passage in Scripture, this biblical account? We read in Scripture that Jesus was tempted with the exact same things that we today are tempted with. It's amazing. And you know what? There's, there's, this, there's one verse. It's in verse 4 of Matthew 4 where Satan tries to tempt Jesus by turning rocks into bread. Do you remember this story? Turning rocks into bread. And this is what Jesus said in that very moment. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, watch this, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was dependent on his father for all things. Jesus wanted God to reign supremely in him, that everything that Jesus did would point back to God. Obviously in this room, we're not Jesus. So we're gonna go through difficulties in our lives. We are gonna trade our ultimate blessing that God has in store for us for our immediate want. But Jesus gives us another way. Jesus showed us 
another way. So what's the point? What's the point this morning? This is the point. Our human appetites will always tempt us to meet our wants now. But Jesus teaches us the importance of delaying immediate wants for future blessings. Our human appetites will always whisper now and never later. They'll say, trade God's ultimate plan for your want. The way that we respond, the way that we respond to our sinful appetites will affect our life's journey. So this, this, this morning, I just, before we close, I just want to say this to our students and our children in this room. You have no idea. Children, students, look at me. You have no idea the plans that God has in store for your life. You have no idea about the amazing things that God has ready to go and prepared for you. Don't trade your sinful appetites for just your, your present wants. Don't be like Esau and trade some beans for a birthright. God wants to use you in a powerful way to change the world. He doesn't want you to be the next generation, young people. He wants you to be the Jesus generation. Don't trade God's ultimate for the immediate. So here's the main question that everyone's asking. I got it, Pastor Travis. Appetites, God created them, Satan distorted them. How, how do we deal with our sinful appetites? Jesus showed us. He says you deal them with the godly perspective, godly perspective. Our perspective will help us to love God more. Our perspective that's found and rooted in him will help us to resist temptation. Our perspective that we can receive from God through the Holy Spirit will help us navigate through our lives more effectively and more focused on honoring Jesus. The perspective is what counts. And this is the key. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. I want to read this to us. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This morning, if you have a relationship with Jesus, God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit to have the right perspective. And all I can say this morning is this. Walk away from the bull. Walk away from the bull. Your marriage is way more important than the bull. Your relationships are way more important than the bull. Your finances that God's given you are way more important than the bull. Walk away from the bull. And I know for a fact that maybe some of you in this room are just thinking, you know what, Travis, I get it. I gotta walk away from the bull. I've tried that for 10 years. I've tried that for three years. I've been hooked to the same thing for most of my marriage. I have a trouble with holding on to my finances. Travis, I can't walk away from the bull. This is the amazing thing this morning. I was driving this morning in my car on the way to church. I was praying, I was reflecting on, on, on the morning ahead and I was looking outside the beautiful pastures, all the, all the creation that God's created for us. And I, and I looked at my front windshield and it just, it just hit me. The front windshield of my car is much bigger than the rear view mirror. The front windshield of my car is way bigger than my rear view mirror. Why is that? because what is in front of you is more important than what's behind you. The first step in getting away and stepping away from the bowl is acknowledging you've got a bowl and you gotta deal with it. And then you know what? The next step is actually taking the step away from the past and into the future. God wants to help you 
and deliver you from whatever you're going through. So I wanna pray for us this morning. And as we pray, every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna give you just an opportunity to respond to what we just heard. That response might be just standing and singing. For some of you, it might just be praying with the person next to you. For some of you, it might be coming to the altar and just asking God to help you and to revitalize your marriage, revitalize your relationships. Can I just encourage you, don't leave here this morning without dealing with your bowl, without dealing with your sinful appetite. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, for, for being the one true God that can truly help us with every aspect of who we are. Lord, this morning, it's just encouraging to remember and recognize that, that you are the God that can heal us. You are the God that can restore us. You are the God that can take the bull from us in a moment. And God, right now, I know that there are some people in this room that just need your resurrection power upon their lives. Lord, help them navigate through whatever they're going through. God, I know there's people online right now that just need to confess what's going on in their lives, to move away from the bull. God, help us to move away from the bull, from the appetites that are holding us back from you. God, thank you for giving us a life of meaning and of purpose. And right now, God, I pray that we can respond personally of what you wanna do in and through our lives publicly as well. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen.